Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this weekly program in which I have this great privilege of inviting uh, guests that have appeared on the journey home or guests that are uh, members of the Coming Home Network to join us on this radio program to talk about the importance of Scripture uh, to their journey of following our Lord Jesus Christ and usually home to the Catholic Church. Uh, and often the scriptures that we're looking at in this uh, time on this program are scriptures that uh, played a, a key role in their journey home. And you're hearing us on EWTN, and we're coming to you from the studios at the Coming Home Network. So welcome to the program. Our guest today is Judy Hare. She was the guest on the Journey Home program Monday night. She's a revert to the Catholic faith. Hello, Judy, and welcome to the program. Hello, Marcus. It is my absolute privilege to be here. Well, it's good to have you here. I know you're you're coming to us from your kitchen. Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so you, we're both probably with arm lengths of a coffee machine or whatever it is that uh, you enjoy in, in the afternoon. So thank you for joining us. Just in case the audience didn't catch the program on Monday night, just read a little bit of a bio. Uh, that you are a, a spiritual motivator and inspirational speaker who hosts a weekly half-hour radio show called Journey with Judy every Sunday morning in southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, Judy was a guest speaker last summer at the Retrovi Mideast meeting in, in Ohio and a keynote speaker at a recent Illinois chapter Magnificat breakfast. Uh, Judy is a ministry formation program graduate of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee's St. Francis Seminary. And with over 16 topics archived in her DVD library, she has explored a broad range of subjects based on scripture passages to help the everyday Catholic apply in his or her life. When Judy is not publicly speaking, she and her husband Bob are raising their four teenagers in Fontana, Wisconsin. So Judy, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, I encourage the audience to go to EWTN.com uh, and EWTN Television to catch a rerun of The Journey Home if they missed it Monday night or to listen to the program on EWTN. There was one point of clarification I wanted to make sure that I gave you a chance to talk about. You mentioned in the program after your return to the church that, um, and you I am assuming, no longer... Uh, in your business that you had been so successful at, that you had returned to seminary, and I'm thinking that there were some in the audience that wondered, what was she doing at seminary? And I think a lot of Catholics aren't accustomed to hearing that there are women studying at seminary. So maybe explain that to the audience. Okay, Marcus, you know what, it was new. It was news to me when um, a director of spiritual formation at my parish um, in, invited me to talk about the, the opportunity to go to seminary because uh -huh. I too, much like the audience, um, wasn't even aware that seminary was an option, certainly from with, with a person like me from my past, uh, lack of education and being away from the church for so long, never mind being a woman. And so I was pleasantly surprised um, to be invited into this formational program um, by the Milwaukee Archdiocese and received, I received a certification in pastoral formation. And so it, it, I was in class with about 35 um, folks and maybe half of those were women at the time. I think this is a, a response to the uh, incentive, let's say, in the last 50 years particularly, to encourage laity to take opportunities to uh, study and expand their understanding of the faith. And I know that even when I was in Protestant seminary back in the late 70s, there were Catholics that were there at my seminary, Catholic laymen, men and women who were there studying. And when I taught at the Josephinum, the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus, which is predominantly priests, but there were deacons as well as laymen who were working on master's degrees. And so it, it really is an encouragement for Catholics to take the opportunity, if they have the opportunity, to this more in-depth study of their faith. Absolutely, Marcus. And I judge that to be such a total privilege to me. And at the time of be, you know, being invited into the program, I didn't know that I had, as a Catholic person, this call to holiness, mission, ministry, and community just by, by vocation of being a child of God 
in the one holy and apostolic Catholic Church. And so when I showed up there, I was totally unqualified um, and found out later that lucky for me that God qualifies the called, of which I felt very called um, to deepen my faith. Uh, my desire to go to seminary was simply to learn about my Catholic faith because I was so excited to be back in the church and just so hungry um, for what Catholicism was all about and how I could pass that on to my children. And you were also, as you mentioned, Bundy Knight, um, had been very successful in sales. And I yes. think it sounds like that even surprised you and how successful you had become. But I think looking back, if you would talk also about how uh, important it is for laymen and women who are in business to uh, be models of their faith in the secular world. That is absolutely the case. And again, that's wisdom that um, I have now. That is the grace that God has given me to open my eyes and my ears to see things in a new way. You know, I was not a Christ-like example in my successes, although um, I believed that I was. I really believed that I was a good steward of my uh, financial blessings, but you know, God had, has allowed me to peel away and see the motives and intentions behind uh, the, the many things that I did. Um, and I forgot very early on in my successes that it is the Lord who makes all things possible. And I relied on my own strength for many years. Um, and I spent many years building what I called and reiterated Monday night, my kingdom. Um, but during that entire time, I was a slave in my kingdom and never a servant in his. Um, so I didn't utilize the opportunity uh, to be a good steward of my blessings with the right motives and intentions. Um, but I did have a, a tremendous sphere of influence in which to do that. And although I wasn't doing it, I can assure you now looking back that God absolutely um, placed many people in my life that were Christ-like examples calling me back to the reality of the blessing my successes were. Um, but it fell on deaf ears, unfortunately, at that time of my journey. Well, it's certainly an, uh, a personal awakening that we each need to experience when we can, by grace, look back and see where we failed so that hopefully, again, by grace, in the future, we can be better examples. I think of the, uh, the, the scripture text that was recently um, the text for Mass about the story of, of the... Um, uh, the servant of the king who had been forgiven uh, unbelievable amounts of money. Absolutely. But then turned around and uh, ref not only refused to forgive someone that, that owed him a little bit, but put him in jail for it. And hopefully, again, that was a parable that Jesus used. But if that was a true story, Many of us can look back and see we've done stupid things like that ourselves, where we've received Correct. so much forgiveness for the idiot things we've done, and yet turned around in hypocrisy, have punished people in our lives for much lesser than we've been forgiven. And hopefully we will see that, and then mea culpa, and then learn to be different. Absolutely. Amen to that, Marcus. And a little bit of that's your story and mine, too. I mean, I, uh, you know, that's... We've been comforted that we might comfort. I mean, that's the calling. You chose Isaiah 61, and it's a whole huge chapter with a lot of great stuff in it, but you wanted to look at verses 1 through 4. Before I read it to the audience, maybe set up why this particular passage from the Old Testament is important to you, Judy. This passage resonates um, in every facet of my life. I have been held captive by everything, uh, by people, places, and things for the majority of my life. And to understand now that Jesus has come to set this captive free and heal this brokenhearted person to degrees of wholeness and health that I never thought possible, um, verse by verse, this particular passage, um, this prophecy has been fulfilled in, in the lives of myself, my marriage, my family, and, and um, it, it's a privilege for me to look back and know that I was chosen. Um, I was chosen as Jesus was chosen. Um, and never to compare my, I'm, I'm not clearly putting myself on the level of Jesus, but knowing. No, but we, that, uh, we know what you mean. It's like that, that other radio host that said he has talent on loan from God. Well, on the one hand, that sounds like an arrogant thing to say, but that's in reality what every single one of us needs to recognize. That's right. Every bit of. I, 
talent and forgiveness we have is a gift of God. Yes, and I, you know, I would like to feel that now I understand the difference in humility, the acknowledgement of who I am and the acknowledgement of who God is. And I know today that I am nothing uh, without him and I'm very unworthy, but nonetheless, um, he continues to, um, you know, call me into yep. places that, you know, where his hand points, he will provide. And um, so it's just a privilege to talk about this particular passage as it applies in the lives of all of us, I think, in right. some capacity, but most personally to my journey of faith. All right. Well, let me read the passage for our audience, and then and then we'll take a moment and look at it in more detail. This is Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. You all right, Judy? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know that you've, uh, the, you know, the, the tears of gratitude. Uh, Absolutely. That, that and, I, and unbelief. Um, it's you read that and it, it it I get that thing in my throat where I can't breathe because I look back on the endless and countless mercy and blessings of God. Um, so go ahead. Yes, I'm very emotional, but I'll hold it. That's just fine because uh, I mean the the what what's really beautiful about the Catholic understanding of Scripture is that there is a, a, a number of senses. There's the literal sense, and then there are spiritual senses. So there's the literal. This was a, a prophet in the Old Testament relating what the Lord had spoken to him to be proclaimed. Yeah. That's the literal. Yeah. But then there's meanings. So there was a meaning, original literal meaning for Israel at the time, but then there are future meanings, one of which points to Jesus, Another which points to the end times, but then there's another one that points to us yes. in the moral implications of our life. So that's why we can look at Isaiah 61 and say it merely didn't apply way back then. It also applies now yes. and to each of us. And that's what you're talking about. Verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. Yes. Do you feel and believe not only that the Lord has indeed done this in your life and mine, but in your life, but also that he may have allowed you to be afflicted so you could be a better witness to the afflicted? I absolutely believe that um, my history is my destiny. And what I've spent so much, so many years trying to undo what I've become and apologize for my lack of education and my sinfulness and my unworthiness, you know, somewhere along the line, I've, I've come to realize that it is only through all of those situations that God allowed um, to, to have his glory revealed at a later date or even possibly permit a lesser evil um, in the future that I, I know that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, that I have been anointed, consecrated, set apart um, to bring the good news, uh, which for the most of my life was I was always, when the good news was preached, it was always preached in a bad mood, which makes it hard to get excited about the good news of the gospel. <laughs> Um, and for, for me now to be able to know that the afflicted is all of us in some way, shape, or form um, because of the sinful nature that we just all have in our fallen humanity. So I believe that I too have this identity and this mission um, set apart by God. Um, and so and, and that he was the healer of sick souls and I was a very sick soul and for many years I knew the healing that came from God, but I did not know the healer. And now I know him. And he is the knower and provider of those needs. He uh, describes um, 
I suppose there are four facets of the people to whom God is sending this prophet, the yeah. afflicted, the brokenhearted, the captive, and the bound. It's synonymous with Judy, 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 Judy. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, to a certain extent, we we today live in a culture in which a lot of people, um, like the frog in the pot, have are so, so enculturated that they may be blind to the ways that they are indeed afflicted, captive, bound by values lack of values, by bad habits, by other things that bind them in a culture to which or from which our Lord is calling us to break free, but it's hard. It's absolutely hard. And I'm particularly wondering when you, looking back on your, your, the successes of your, your sales career, that it's easy to get uh, bound and captive by that uh, that career and successes that even when you're experiencing the affliction and brokenheartedness of all the things in your life, yet it takes a lot of courage to break free from that. Yeah. And the verse that comes to mind right off the top of my head in response to that is, um, it's easier to get um, a camel through the eye of a needle than it is to get a rich man to heaven. <laughs> and that spoke volumes to me when I came back to my faith because uh, the good news of the gospel, that it was about grace and not sin, the good news of the gospel about light over darkness was not, um, it wasn't even on my radar. My kingdom was all that was on my radar. God's kingdom was nowhere in sight. I was consumed with myself. Um, and that was, now I look back and I know that was just because I was so bound up. <laughs> the, um, the, Again, looking on this verse, obviously, with the spiritual understanding that through Scripture, the Lord is speaking to you and speaking to each one of us. But you specifically, how did you understand this as your calling, as you were, were there to be, a, in some way, a channel of healing to the afflicted, the brokenhearted, the captive, and the bound of people who we're now experiencing what you experienced. In what ways did you see that you were then called to give the good tidings, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give them liberty, and to open the prison for these people? Well, because I believe, Marcus, that my entire life was um, being held in captivity, the captivity of strongholds, and a stronghold simply being an obsession or a mental preoccupation, and someone who lived in bondage uh, which is anything that hindered me from the fullness of God's grace, um, that was me. And I was poor in spirit, I was brokenhearted, I was a mourner, I was burned, I was bummed, I was despaired, which is all of what these four verses say. Um, but on the other side of it, I can say I'm pretty proud of my heart. It's been played and stabbed and cheated and burned and scorned, but it's still working. And, <laughs> And I thank God for the good news that he has come um, to specifically allow all of the things in my past that he could work all of those things for his good and his glory for the sake of now that I actually can love him. And he gave me a new heart. And I love that. Yeah, with all the stuff that happens to us and the stuff that was happening to you, we can be a completely subsumed in woe is me woe is me, woe is me, yeah. until at some point grace cuts through that, and then we have an entirely different, and it takes a journey, it's, it's a journey until we move, our journey is from woe is me, where it's all focused around ourselves in relationship to everything else, and it's never good enough, all the way to the call to glorify God and to give it all to Him. And do you remember the particular awakening moment when you knew in your heart of hearts that God was pulling you away from yourself and towards him? I absolutely know. And as I said Monday night, my journey was always predicated upon self. It went for, you know, self-pity, self-justification, self-hatred, self-condemnation, self-righteousness to ultimately the point that I hope 
continues as an ongoing transformation and conversion of self-surrender, realizing that I have sought freedom and sought shelter in everything other than the only true way to arrive at that, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe that God sent many um, opportunities into my life. I, I've said it, I, you know, bend your, uh, bend your knees or I'll break your legs. And that's how much he loved me um, to break my legs and allow my entire kingdom to come crashing down. And that was, I'll tell you the date, it was on April 17th in two, 2003. Um, <laughs> And it was God's grace that brought my marriage um, crumbling to the ground. And uh, looking back, there's absolutely nothing I would change about that because I know it was the favor of the Lord that was upon me to bring the redemption and sanctification and salvation of myself, um, my marriage, my husband, who later joined the church as a little sidebar. Um, <laughs> and looking back at that time i mean i call that the day you know in other uh, faith denominations they say you know have you been saved have you been saved although i was baptized and uh, you know received all the sacraments in the catholic church the day that i was saved was on april 17 2003 when i said let it be done to me according to your will and it was from that point forward that i watched the lord pick up my broken and shattered heart piece by piece and restored that heart. And that, you know, it talks about that in this passage as well. Um, and, you know, he replaced my sorrow with joy. He gave me a garment of praise and a garment of hope. And I no longer had to wear a diadem of ashes, but I was restored with my virtue and dignity as a child of God. Um, he comforted me when I was mourning. And, you know, to proclaim liberty to the captives, that, that was me. I was spiritually bound and spiritually blind. Yeah, the, the beauty of Paul reflecting in his own life on what happened to him in the same way. Absolutely. He, he says, for example, in Second Corinthians, when he says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation, the old gone, the new has come. That is correct. And and then now we are to be instruments of reconciliation. So that's his his explanation of this. He also, at another place in Philippians, says, um, you know, I've not been made perfect yet, but uh, forgetting what lies behind, I press onward to the upward that's call. Exactly. That's right. And we look up when we're at the bottom, that's for sure. And that's where I was. Um, and that theme of grief that permeates through this passage that was me. I mean, the common theme was, like you said, Mark, is woe is me. Yeah. Well, the end of verse 3 in Isaiah 61, that the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Yeah. You know, and, and again, even when we tell our story, you know, it's still, a, we, we can't help but reflect on what he's done for me, what he's done for me, of course. But it's so that I might give him glory. And, and that's what I hear in, in how you've moved to dedicate your life as a result of responding to his grace. Absolutely. And, you know, he, I know now that he chose this foolish one and he chose this weak one. And as I said before, that he qualifies the call. And I found myself in so many situations where I don't possess the qualifications to be in ministry. I don't possess the qualifications to be teaching the gospel or preaching the gospel. And I, and, and I know that. And that's why it had to be him. It, it, that's the miracle of God. That's where his glory is revealed in the least. And that was <laughs> the least. Um, the marginalized, the outcast. I'll never forget when I went into the seminary when they said, how did you get in? And I said, God invited me. <laughs> I was called and chosen. And that's not said out of an area of pride. It's said out of absolute unequivocal humility that I know that I was chosen to bring the good news of what God can do in us, through us, and with us. Well, as he calls each of us to, to recognize in what ways God has called uh, us to be a you know, a model and a, a message of His grace in our lives. We come back in a little bit, Judy. We'll talk more about this. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Judy Hare. And you're listening to us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. 
This Deep in Scripture radio program is produced by the Coming Home Network International, a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. You can listen to any of our past radio programs by logging onto our website, which also offers a wealth of information on our Catholic faith, including conversion stories, an online forum, and available resources to help you to find the truth of our faith. Visit us today at www.deepinscripture.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. CH Resources is excited to offer you Marcus Grodi's latest book, Thoughts for the Journey Home. If you're not Catholic but are looking seriously at the Catholic Church, or if you've recently entered the Church, this book will provide you with wisdom and encouragement for the journey. And if you're a lifelong Catholic, it makes a great gift for family and friends you're hoping will come home. To order a copy, visit our website at chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. I'm joined today by Judy Hare. Uh, she is a, uh, a revert to the Catholic faith. She was brought up in the church and then uh, as a result of a great variety of ways in which she did everything she could, it seems, right, Judy, to, uh, to be open to the grace of God, um, even to the point of being extremely successful, yet God in his love and mercy did not abandon you but in the same way that he reached out to this prophet in the Old Testament, uh, he reached out to you uh, to help you understand that you really had a place, you had a voice, and uh, you had a, you have a calling to serve our Lord. Yes. In fact, in uh, picking up where we left off in Isaiah 61, I mean, there's so much in there, but I want to make sure um, you have an opportunity to express what you would like from this verse. I, I do want to point in, in verse 4 when the prophet is saying that they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. He's, of course, talking to a time when the Messiah will restore Israel. Um, but the beauty of that verse is also that it's not merely that it's like a nuclear blast is going to destroy everything and they're going to build from scratch, but that uh, in the renewal, that which we were supposed to be, um, the, the, the junk is peeled away to reveal that which we really are in Christ. Um, we get to rediscover who we really were intended to be that had been covered for so many years by so much other stuff. And, and I think you can relate to that. I absolutely can. And uh, the, the fact that his glory is shown through the fact that I was transformed and redeemed and forgiven only makes possible that next verse. Mm-hmm. You know, that he can turn the mangled into monuments. Yep. Yep. Um, the generational bondage of defeat that has, has always been, you know, hovering over my family and my past. Um, I mean, he doesn't only restore and renew and rebuild, but... Um, creates from nothing and makes it stronger than it ever was before. Um, and it's never on our merit, but always on his mercy. That's right. The, they, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. Um, the, the beauty of the sacrament of reconciliation, uh-huh. I want you to talk about, because there is the gift of that sacrament that allows us, every one of us, 
who continue to fail to experience the same renewal of life. The beauty of the sacraments in the Catholic Church, the fullness um, that the, the sacraments have had in my particular life to be able to go and be forgiven and absolved of my sins and actually step out of a confessional and, and live like I have been forgiven um, is a greater gift than um, I could ever articulate because I was never able to live like a forgiven person because shame was Satan's seal of approval. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I get, I'm sorry, I'm so emotional, but it's, I, I was away from the church for so long, and when I stepped back in the confessional after 20-some years, the priest was so wonderful, and he said, listen, just dot the I's and cross the T's. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, and he was such a beautiful representation of exactly, you know, of, of the forgiving Father and the merciful uh, Father that God is to just, you know, when we take one step towards Him, that He takes two steps from, you know, towards us. And that our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west it's just all of the scripture passages that validate and make real for me um, the the beautiful um, sacrament of confession it's something that i i invite my children to when we fall when we fall apart as a family or when they fall down um, in their journey of faith to say hey baby let's go do this like let's get as a matter of fact i took my son last night to confession um, and I said, I just, I just want you to have the privilege and the blessing of immediately being restored um, so you can get back um, and, and be able to embrace this abundant life that Jesus died so we could have and not live in the strongholds and bondage um, that your mother did. The mantle of praise. And I know not. Oh. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, was, I didn't hear you for a second. Judy, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just saying that I, you know, I know today and I want my children to know that you don't have to be behind bars to be imprisoned and to live life in some form of captivity and to have the privilege of going um, and embracing the sacrament of confession um, coupled with the Eucharist and receiving the word of God. I mean, it is, I believe in its transforming power. Um, but I don't know that I would believe it if I didn't experience it. It had to be experiential for me. And that's why I have such a passion when I talk about it, because I don't know that I want everyone to know yeah. um, and to embrace all that the church has to offer towards our healing and our wholeness and union with God. Yeah, I think that's a bit of what the prophet was meaning by the mantle of praise uh -huh. uh, when a person um, experiences the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It really cuts to the quick, cuts through the, the uh, you know, the layers and layers of stuff that we've put upon ourselves, or maybe also has been put upon us. Yes. For the variety of things, that when that's cut through and we see that, uh, again, this mantle of praise is a gift of grace to empower us to to tell the world what we're what we're called to do and. Uh, uh, sometimes we almost want to take converts and, and quiet them up a little bit because they they want to save everybody. But, you know, really thank God that we have that enthusiasm. We just want to make sure that it's channeled uh, so that... Well, here's the other problem, Judy, is that sometimes new converts, with all the enthusiasm of a new life, are yet not formed very well yet. Yes, I used to say I have all the gifts and none of the fruit. You know, I have a big mouth for Jesus, but can I really back it up the way I'm living my life? And I think that that's the way my uh, the radio show, that door that got open, it's presented as being hot, honest, open, and transparent. And it's to be able to say, you know, I fall down every day, but it is my job um, to call my children to, to holiness, to provide for them, um, uh, to get them to, to, to that they want to be sanctified and saved and to get them to heaven and and along with my husband as my vocation as as wife and I, I didn't know any of that and so as I learn I try to share that good news and I know now that I could never have this without that um, I know this victory now because I knew defeat um, but I spent many years of my life being afraid of what this would cost me um, and now I'm afraid of what I might miss if I don't keep my eye on the ball. 
Well, I think that's the other reason why uh, the Lord gave you that privilege of going to seminary for a while. You know, did that if on the one hand he's going to give you the, the grace of the enthusiasm, the, the mantle of praise, uh, he also seems to have given you the opportunity to hone the theology of what you want to proclaim because you want to make sure you represent our Lord correctly and his church correctly. Absolutely. There are a lot of well-meaning people out there that um, have their own spin on Jesus on God, on theology, on the church, on salvation, on forgiveness, on heaven, on hell. Well-meaning people that have their own spin, but yet in, instead of teaching what is true according to the, the church led by the Spirit, they're teaching it according to their own, maybe the residual of, of the stuff, you know, their own brokenness. So they want to make the church in their own image. Yeah, and I and I and again, I would never want to. I, I believe, and I would pray um, that I would always be a good representation of our Lord. But I think we do many things. We do is out of our own story. Yep. Um, and so, you know, one of the saints said, "If it's from me, throw it out, and if it's from God, take it." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the reality is what I lack in knowledge, I definitely make up for in volume, and that's not necessarily a good thing. But I, I do need to be mindful that the Lord, if I'm representing him, he always proposes and he never imposes. And so I, I, I almost do apologize for the fact that I not necessarily want everyone to be saved, but I want everyone to understand that unless they are knowing God, this intimate, loving, forgiving, all merciful, then they need then they need to get a new image of God because somewhere along the line they've made him in their image. And that's what I did for so many years. So um, we're gonna take a break, Judy. When we get back, I want to ask you, what do we do if somebody if somebody hearing you says how do I break free? How do I break out of this shell? Because I don't feel any of this. You know what I'm saying? If someone said, I don't, I want to believe, but I just, I can't, I can't get there. Mm -hmm. How do we, what do we do to help them? Let's talk about that when we get back. Okay, thank you. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grody. I'm joined today by Judy Hare, and you're hearing us on EWTN, the Global Catholic Radio Network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are interested in learning more about our Catholic faith, or if you know someone who is interested in becoming Catholic, please visit our website at www.chnetwork.org or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grote. Hi, joined today by, today by Judy Hare. You had also chosen, Judy, that we'd look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So in, in that Luke passage, we see that the fulfillment of that prophecy in the Old Testament book of Isaiah is fulfilled in our Lord Jesus. Yes. And he calls us to imitate him. He also says in John 15 that we are called to abide in him and he will abide in us. Yes. Which means that he he dwells within us to change us but also to empower us to be a witness to him. So what can we do, Judy? What do you do from your experience? How do you break through the thick walls that keep people bound? Well, I know the obstacles to my unbelief or my ability to embrace um, all that uh, the Lord has uh, allowed us to be is my, my unbelief, my pride, my idolatry, and my prayerlessness. Um, and I know that my misery led to liberty only when 
I was willing to finally surrender and allow the Lord's work to be done in me and through me. And, and I believe today unequivocally that he is in me, he is on me, and that he has sent me um, to know him, to believe him, to glorify him, to rest in his presence and his perfect peace. And, you know, it is, it is grace. It is grace and only grace that has made that uh, a reality in my life. But I know that you never seek the Lord in vain. So when someone says, how do I get what you got? Uh, it, it's just as simple as the willingness to say, you know, I, I'm seeking you, Lord. Um, show me, uh, lead me, guide me. And you will never seek him in vain. He says that over and over again in scripture. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the boundness of people today is often because they have put upon themselves or accepted um, upon themselves expectations that are not of the Lord. Um, to be rich, to be successful, to, to look rich and successful, to look beautiful, to look, um, uh, you know, to be the best. Um, all these oughts that our culture puts on us, whereas really what our Lord is calling us simply to do is, is to love one another and to be holy. That's it. Yes. We, whether we were rich or poor, uh, good looking or, or not, uh, heavy or skinny, whatever it is, that's, a rea that's relative in the big scheme of things. Yes, and Jesus came not only to teach, but that we might become what he teaches. And to say, to introduce myself today as Judy Hare, child of God, that is first and foremost what I am, um, despite any of the sinfulness of my past, my present, or my future. And that in and of itself allows me to stand before the Lord and say, you know what, I am so not worthy. And I so love that you love me the same. And from that point, like that's what I love about him. He is just a perfect gentleman. And he will wait until we are willing and ready to see ourselves um, when we look at him and through him. And when we start to see ourselves, and I want that for my daughters and I want that for my sons to be able to know that when they look in the mirror, they were made in the image and the likeness of the Lord, whether we act like it, whether we think it, um, you know, any attempt to define the Lord only minimizes him. He is who he is, regardless of what we think, say, or do. Now, um, talk about, if you would, this transformation of marriage. Because there are people, I'm guessing, out there when they think about being bound and brokenhearted and captive, all those issues that if they were to describe that experience in their life, they might, they might attribute it to their marriage. How do we help them if they're in that situation? Well, I know that I brought to my marriage, um, I came as an empty, needy, needy person, and I had expectations that only allowed me to continue to raise the bar for my husband and for myself that always left both of us um, not measuring up. And um, until I could turn the lens inward, until I could realize that the only person that I can change is myself. Uh, my prayer when my marriage uh, found its demise was never about changing my man. It was never about changing my marriage. It was always about trusting and believing that there was something that I could be becoming. Um, transform me, change me, allow me to become you, to see you in my husband and to be you to my husband. And the genuine desire for just that in and of itself, to see Christ in him and to be Christ to him, changes everything, Marcus. Um, and yeah. we come to the Lord with open hands and we say, Lord, take what you want me to not have and give me what you want me to have. That's it. It's just that simple. And he will get in there and he will do in you, through you, and with you what cannot be done in your own self-will. Yeah, the uh, St. Paul talks about struggling 
with a thorn in the flesh. Yeah. Did you have any thorns in the flesh, Judy? I have many thorns in the flesh. Uh, my whole life is like that whack-a-mole game. Did you ever see that where the thing oh, keeps yeah. up and you just keep hitting the next thing? And, and you know what? That's a beautiful gift that God gives to me as the constant reminder um, that of how desperately I need him. Despite my entire life of trying to be independent, I now understand and, and can very humbly say I could not be any more dependent um, on the Lord because I would never be able to love not only my man, but my four children the way that I have. I would never be able to forgive. Um, I would never to be, be able to do the things that God's grace has allowed me to do uh, without him being an operative part of our everyday existence. And some days it's the everyday face of God, which is when I'm yelling, swearing, and screaming. But my spiritual companion assured me that it's God nonetheless. <laughs> well, the you know again that that image of the thorn in the flesh. We we in our lives, maybe in our marriages, maybe in our workplace, maybe in our neighborhoods, our families, we might feel that we have as a part of our life a difficult relationship. And we might be praying, boy, if you could, Lord, if you just change this other person, things would be so much better. Yeah. And then maybe that's the truth. Maybe the other person is the problem. Let's just take for a second the possibility that we really are just great and another person is a pain in the neck. Let's just assume that for a second. And that's a reality for many of us. It, it can be the reality. But the Absolutely. point is, when Paul was asking that the Lord would remove this, the Lord would, would say, no, no, my grace is sufficient. Absolutely. And we need to accept the situation that we are in as that's the situation in which we are to shine. Absolutely. And, and I love that as an opportunity, but if we're trying to do that within our own flesh, then it's, it's, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And to see Christ in another person and to be Christ to another person with no agenda, no motives, no expectations, is to love God above all things. And out of that love, we can love our neighbor as ourself. And as ourself means we had to love us to begin with. And that was a 40 year journey for me um, to be able to back into those other two things. But you know, some of us are married to our hair shirt. We're married to our penances, being married to, the, I call my husband my little sacrificial lamb. God used him mightily to bring about a transformation in me personally, in our marriage, in our family, and ultimately, as the scripture passage says, generation upon generation. Um, rebuilt, restored, renewed, um, Glory unto glory, transformed, redeemed, and forgiven. Um, and there is n there's no relationship that God cannot um, uh, transform. There's no person that we're in relationship with that we can't learn from, grow by, see Christ in, be Christ too. But I never knew that. It was always yeah. everybody else's fault. Yeah, and, and even if we begin with the assumption that it's everybody else's fault, if and what happens is in that focus we really can't see the problems that we're causing because we're so woe is me because of whatever relationship hence but, the next verse about having the plank in my eye yeah yeah yes. right mm -hmm. so if we can be asking god to to change us because we can't change other people say okay lord help me be responding well to the situation the healing that can happen can happen within us to the point we start to recognize the the flaws that we have in ourselves because we couldn't see them because we were so focused on the other person. And and I wanted to mention this because recently I had a, heard a priest talk about the the power of fasting. And he said the reason that fasting is such a powerful tool in our growing in holiness is because our whole being is like our hand. All the fingers are connected, thumbs, the wrists are all connected. And if we want to change our, our anger, and we know we need to change our anger, that by fasting from something else, it can change, it can strengthen us all over. Absolutely. And so it might be hard for us. We keep failing at trying to control our anger, but if we can discipline our our will 
through fasting, little by little, we grow in our ability in all the areas of our lives. Well, and the church's teaching on mortification is such a beautiful teaching about that in and of itself. And, and I, again, just more that the, the church offers to help us understand that what we do to that, what we do to the least of them, we have done to Jesus. And that's what's so great about God is that prayer doesn't change the situation. It changes the way we look at the situation in so many instances. And the cross and the redemptive suffering that the church teaches is all part of the great, not the good news, the great news that we, we can endure. We can be delivered from whatever that struggle is, whether it's a person, a place, or a thing, or we are given by virtue of God's grace the power to endure it. And that's, that's redemptive for us, and I, I love that. Well, I haven't had a chance yet to tell everybody, but you do have a website, judyhair.com. Yeah. Let me spell that, J-U-D-Y-H-E-H-R.com, in case folk want to find out more about what you're doing. If they went to that, what would they find? Um, they would find a little bit about myself and what's brought me to this um, place where God has graced me with preaching the good news in a really good mood. Uh, <laughs> they, would they would find um, upcoming speaking events. They would be able to listen to any radio show that I've done, and I think we've done 25 um, up to this point. There's DVDs of different teachings that I've um, had the privilege of being a part of that are for sale, or they can listen to little clips of that. Um, so it has a wealth right. of information. If people would be at all interested in visiting that website, that would be terrific. All right. Well, thank you, Judy, and thank, uh, thank you for your witness and your enthusiasm. And uh, our prayers are with your husband, Bob, as he handles your enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> they call me the five-hour energy drink at my radio show. Where do you think they got the name? And you're four teenagers up there in Wisconsin. So God bless you, uh, Judy. <laughs> and uh, for your continued witness and the, the doors that the Lord continues to open for you to be a witness, uh, as you said, uh, someone who can bring liberty to the oppressed. So thank you, Judy. God bless you, Marcus. And thank all of you for joining on this program. Uh, I want this to be an encouragement you to open God's word, uh, to hear the word through the church, because when you do that, you will hear just what Judy's talking about today. Uh, this this answer that will free you from bondage, a brokenheartedness, from affliction. And of course, that answer is our Lord Jesus Christ and the graces that we receive from him through his sacraments that enable us to be rebuilt. The ruined city is repaired. That's our new life in Jesus. God bless you. See you next week.